The Hump, episode 35, Sandwich Generation. We're going to be talking about raising both parents, taking care of parents and our children. Not right? talking about sandwiches. We're not talking about sandwiches. You no. were hoping you were I talking. Totally misread the copy. cold meds i i prepared for an hour on my favorite sandwich <laughs> your favorite sandwich joint is what, what the capri what's that place called capriati's that just opened yeah it's a good sandwich it is a good sandwich all right welcome to the hump your show about how to get one over in this thing called life this is brent bowen chad beeland and poor chad's feeling a little under the weather tonight but like he said he's a he's a professional so he made knock back some cold meds and made time for me tonight. I appreciate we, it, brother. We act as we must, not as we feel. Mm -hmm. So we, we must have a little discussion about, cause I felt like if we kept going through the season and, and making odd allusions to my past year or nine months, anyway, people would think we'd be teasing them. So we needed to just get this out of the way. Yeah. I mean, as if 2020 wasn't a dumpster fire already, you had, a lot of personal stuff going on. So, yes. Yeah. And it continue the hits just keep coming <laughs> literally. So, so you're not drinking this week. I'm just trying to hydrate with good old fashioned water this week. Just good old fashioned water. So Chad's endorsing God's juice, which is water. I am actually drinking tonight. And speaking of God, I'm drinking the Dewclaw sweet baby Jesus. Hmm. Is that like a pecan stout or something? What is that? It's a chocolate peanut butter porter. All right. So it's no dangerous man, but it's it's a poor man's dangerous man. Yeah. And actually, I pulled it out of the fridge because we had the untimely demise. There's a lot of a lot of death this week. This has been a hard week, so we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about that. But one of my favorite scenes in cinema history is from Talladega Nights and one of the child actors from the grace scene died this week at the age of 28, took his own life, which the older one, I take it. I, I think he was the older one. Wow. Yeah. I think it was the older of the two and I started to read it and then I got interrupted with, you know, other, other life events, but yeah. So I'm going to cheers to him. That's one of the, the best scenes and, at least one of the scenes that made me laugh the most in cinema history was when the, the two brothers go off on grandpa. <laughs> I find that that part a little uncomfortable that these eight year olds are threatening to, <laughs> to their grandpa to beat his ass and come at him like a spider monkey. That part's okay. But when he's like, I'm going to beat your ass. I was like, he's an old man. It is an old man. I mean, but that to me is part of the hilarity. It's not like I would endorse any of that kind of behavior. But it's because it made me feel so uncomfortable that that's there are people that like humor that makes them feel uncomfortable. And that definitely made me feel uncomfortable. <laughs> okay. Well, that and Will Ferrell, the way he describes Jesus, Your it's all like least diaper. Yes. Yes. I like the baby Jesus. 
And then John C. Riley talks about, I kind of like the Jesus who likes the party. You know, he's wearing a tuxedo t shirt. <laughs> so, anyway, that influenced my decision on the, on the beer selection tonight was the sweet baby Jesus was in the fridge. So I grabbed it. Nice. It's a poor man's version of, I've got another, but have you not had it? I think I have. I think they have a couple different varieties of that, though. And it's a Dewclaw all the same. <laughs> I always think of Dewclaw, that thing on the dog's leg, but it is. Well, that, that's what it is. And I love dogs. So, you know, I have had it. Okay. It's, it's good. It's good. I like it. So we launched season three a couple weeks ago and have explored both sides of the COVID situation and then wrapped into this basically burrito of COVID. Beck and I decided to make a, a major life change last year just because my mother-in-law has pretty progressive Parkinson's, right? So we can't dance around this all, you know, all season. And it's, it's a a fact of life that's affecting a lot of folks that are middle-aged is this idea of the sandwich generation. And most people are not familiar with that term. It's basically, it represents middle-aged folks who were raising both a parent and or children, which were you're still raising children over in the Beeland household. Yes. We're still raising children of our own that are teenage of teenage years. But we also took on the added responsibility of caring for my mother-in-law about mm, really probably about the process started last July. And what's been interesting as life expectancy has been increasing, there's a study and we'll put it in the show notes or a couple studies that share ones from the wall street journal that shares that basically, and this is even dated, you know, you go, you go back to the end of the nineties and there were, you know, a little bit more than maybe 10%. It was like 13% of people that were kind of dealing with this phenomena. And in 2015, that more than doubled. So it's more than a quarter of adults in the United States are caring for both a parent and a child. Yeah, that number was was higher than I thought it was going to be. But I don't know. You always kind of wonder, like, what's driving that? I mean, some of that is life expectancy and whatnot. Maybe some of it's America's becoming more diverse and countries outside the U.S. This is pretty common. I mean, yeah. the U.S. is kind of unique that, you know, like, you know, we don't really like old people, to be honest, as a country. Sure. You know, let's just get them out. But, you know, they're definitely cultures where it's it's totally common for aging parents to you know live with their families yeah the notion of having an extended family live in a household's definitely not new to other culture you're right it's it seems to be here in the united states <laughs> once you reach a certain age like oh yeah we don't want to deal with this we, we'll just put you in this little uh, other building where someone else can take care of you mm-hmm. right which was part of our thought process you know, last year when the pandemic started, my mother-in-law, she was diagnosed with Parkinson's really when Grant was a freshman in high school and she had hidden her diagnosis from us for about six to nine months. And she ended up falling and she ended up going to the emergency room and then they revealed, oh, you have Parkinson's while Becca was sitting in the emergency room and Becca's like, what the fuck, mom? 
you know, yeah. why are you, why are you concealing this? And I mean, that's the thing. It's, you know, there's a stigma with so many of these diseases you talk about even just a stigma of just getting old and caring for old, but there's a stigma with these diseases too. So, you know, we had to make that decision. Matter of fact, with my mother-in-law, that's one of the conversations I had with her. There's a scene in it's, I think it's both the old original version of Willy Wonka and then the, the reboot of Charlie and the chocolate factory where the whole family is like, they're like nine people in bed together. Right. So yeah. you've got this extended family and they're all in bed together. And I'm like, it's not like living together is that right. We could have gone that direction and it's not uncommon for certain cultures to have that be the situation where everybody's under the same roof. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was a little bit extreme. Cause it was like a one room house and that fucking grandpa Joe, <laughs> If I could just go off on a short tangent here, <laughs> fucking grandpa Joe, he's all decrepit, laying in bed, getting waited on hand and foot. But the second that Charlie gets the golden ticket, his ass is up jumping out of bed, doing, you know, doing the jig. He's yeah. Doing, doing the jig. jig. Like you sandbagging old son of a bitch. <laughs> I am sorry. <laughs> Chad's moment in cinema history brought to you by Hershey's. <laughs> <laughs> so funny you said that so we're we're getting a large shipment of of rock probably about a ton of rock and mulch and you're talking about sandbagging i i went into my mother-in-law's apartment today and i went everybody's hauling rock and i i go that even goes for you so <laughs> your ass is going to be out there hauling rock i don't care if it's in a walker you're going to be taking some rock going down the hill with it yeah. yeah, if it's a coffee cup full of rock, I don't care. Every little bit helps. Not no Grandpa Joe here, damn it. <laughs> so, but you know, we started the last year with the COVID, where she was completely independent for several months. We would take we would do grocery runs, and we were so scared to come into contact with her and get her sick that you know we would essentially were Instacart and delivering things to her back door and. She was fine, but then all of a sudden she was having some issues around July and then started fell several times to the point where she was in and out of the hospital about four different times. And Beck and I were supposed to be on a date night. We were driving up, you know, to an outside venue to have dinner and the date night. I had an office at this outside venue and the date night turned into a whiteboard session. Cause I'm like, we got to, we have to do something about your mom. Yeah. And that we basically walk through the pros and cons of three different scenarios. One was move her into assisted living, right? The other was to keep her. And at this point in July, she had fallen and we had started to get her full-time in-home care. And just so everybody knows, while we were walking through the options here, there are financial considerations. This, this one around the in-home care was costing her about $18,000 a month. Wow. For in-home care. Cause somebody had to be there 24 hours a day. And then the third option was to move her in with us. Right. So we kind of walked through both of the, you know, all three of these options and none of them were anything that we were going to say were ideal options. Right. right. Well, and so, then you had your own set of challenges because you could move her in with you, but you don't have a bedroom on the first floor and stairs are becoming an issue. So what do you do there? Yeah. Well, and that was the issue is the house we had was certainly large enough, but it wasn't ideal because it didn't have a master bedroom and a master bath on the, the main level. 
mm-hmm. right? So we ended up having to, as, as you're alluding to, we ended up having to sell two houses and then buy another to accommodate the decision we made, which was to move her in. And that was the easy, as you know, Chad, that was the easy part. Yeah. It's always strange. I mean, you literally moved a half a mile, if that. Yeah, Maybe not even that. Yeah, it just basically changed neighborhoods across the street, and then she moved a couple miles your way, but it's still a huge undertaking. Well, imagine being, put my mother-in-law, put yourself in my mother-in-law's shoes, right? 77 years of complete independence. Mm-hmm. I mean, she'd had two husbands, but for all intents and purposes, had spent the last 10 years alone with friends, had gone to Africa, traveled a great deal, and he had been living in a villa, you know, 2,500 square foot villa, entertaining friends and family all, all by herself for the last 10 years. And she had to give up that independence. I mean, I used to be jealous of her life, man. I mean, she was, she was living a great life traveling and you know she always knew about new restaurants when they opened like even before i did she was out there kicking it and god bless her she enjoyed enjoyed that time yeah well it's gotta be painful to have that ripped away from you all of a sudden like being dependent yeah and that's why i was saying the 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 move itself just buying and selling the houses were the easiest part because we were fighting her even though she knew it was the right thing to do to give up that independence. She was fighting us on the notion of having to give up that independence one. And then the other part without going into a whole lot of detail, just so I don't kick off my own legal drama was we ended up unbeknownst to us, Beck and I ended up kicking a legal hornet's nest because we had no awareness of some financial things that had gotten screwed up in my mother-in-law's life that ended up getting repackaged and done to no fault of her own, really, that had to be undone to get fixed and corrected, which was, again, harder than the actual freaking move itself. Right. Right. Because everybody was fighting us along the way around. Beck and I were the only ones that knew that this was the right decision. So, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you kind of had to convince your mother-in-law that this was the right decision. Very much so. We had to convince her that it was the right decision. And again, a lot of that had to go to the independence. She continued to throw obstacles. I articulated this to someone. I've not used this metaphor a ton because it normally doesn't happen in my life. But the whole notion of moving the goalposts, this is one of the few instances in my life where the goalposts continued to get moved by a Mm -hmm. lot of different people because they didn't want to see, they didn't want to see it happen. Right. For one reason or another, including my mother-in-law, because she didn't want to give give up that independence. Mm. Tough spot, because this isn't something you really sit down and have discussions about this with your parents in the event this happens in the future. Like you're making all these decisions on the fly, and things would keep happening. She would fall or something else, and you're like, this just further cements that somebody's got to be there. And I know Becca was in a tough spot because she would basically have to jump in the car and drive over there all the time just because something would happen. And well, yeah, you hit on that notion. My daughter would be in tears because she was never, Becca would never be home. And that was one of when we did the pro cons list around why are we making this decision on the pro side was we may be in the shit, but we're in the shit together. And she, Becca's present 
right? She's not in my mother-in-law's house with my mother-in-law and away from the family. Like it's the, the family is all together. She's there and present, somewhat present for the kids, at least more present than she had been. Right. For months, she would be doing that. She'd leave the house, get a call in the middle of the night and stay the night over there. Hmm. So that was very much a de- deciding factor in, and trying to determine what to, in what to do. So, yeah, it's, and it's, you know, now that we've been just so everybody understands, I mean, that's part of the reason why you and I had had a good run with the show last year and we're having a great time and season two ended up ending pretty abruptly because once we threw ourselves into, into this, it was all consuming, you know, I ended up losing clients probably over this and Becca ended up having to pull back on her work because it ended up being a such an all-consuming endeavor and it's one that yeah even still while we're together it's it's funny because you know this is probably the i i almost feel like and i've shared this with a few people that my entire adult life up until that moment had prepared me for this moment like all the other things that i had had to culminate all the decisions that i had to culminate and things did happen fast that was a point of friction you were talking about on the fly a lot of people would fight us because they wanted to sit down and go through all these different decisions. But you, you think about buying and selling three houses, right. In the equation, dealing with the financials and having to correct a bunch of financial decisions that had been wronged and then dealing with the emotional. And that's, that's just the practical matters, not even the emotional matters of giving up independence on both sides. Like there's, and you see this because we don't see each other as often, right? Yeah, definitely. And I'm, I'm so blessed that we're doing this again. Cause I at least know that every week you and I are able to jump on the horn and chat a little bit, you know, in this manner. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely was like a full-time job for both of you, just the work you guys were doing and then all the decisions and all the legwork you had to do to get all this stuff done and make it happen. And I'm sure it's hard because I bet everybody has an opinion on what they think's best. But the reality is, is you two were willing to totally upheave your, your whole life and take the responsibility to take care of this woman that means so much to both of you. I mean, that's, that's, that's a lot of responsibility, but I mean, that's also a lot of love involved. So, you know, I, I yeah. think you guys are both punch your ticket for the pearly gates. <laughs> I, I think Becca's going to have a statue somewhere. Me, me, this may just eke me over the finish line. Yeah. There's so much baggage elsewhere, dude. That I, <laughs> <laughs> this, this may just eke me over the finish line. We'll, we'll see. It knocked out a lot of red in your ledger. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I got a lot. That's a Black Widow reference, isn't it? Yes, oh, it that's, is. That's an Avengers Black Widow re- reference. I thought so. It, yeah, it's it's funny. You talked about the love component. So one of my mother in law's best friends is a longtime social worker in the city. He had run Amethyst Place for for years and recently retired. And and that was a constant theme or message she had shared with with us was you know Kim Kim Davis is mm-hmm. the person I'm referring to. She had mentioned to us that. You know, you can do your best and do your best out of love, and that's all you can ask for. And, you know, it's a constant theme I've had to remind Becca because it's a little bit, you know, our first episode was pandemic purgatory. 
that's kind of where I feel like where we are now is Sue gave up independence. My mother-in-law gave up independence. We gave up a great deal of independence, at mm-hmm. least for this period of time that we're together. And, you know, some days Becca thinks it's going to get better. And I, I told her, I, I share with her this line from basically it's toy story when, you know, Buzz Lightyear is like, well, you know, I really can't fly, but I can fall with style. I'm like, this is an exercise and like basically crashing as gracefully as we can. Cause there's no flying here. Right. I mean, you basically pick the best worst option that you had and you guys are, are making it work, but you know, it's still, you got a lot going on. Yep. Yep. There's a lot, there's a lot happening. So folks, if you wondered why. Chad and I had packed it in for season two without a word, without a blip. Here's that's the, that's kind of the story. And you've, you've had some adventures with your mother-in-law during the, the COVID situation too. Cause she made a move. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm really blessed that basically my parents and, and Diane's parents are in great shape. I mean, my dad turned 80 this year, but he's still out there walking five miles a day and they stay pretty active. So his his decision making sometimes needs some help from you, but oh uh, yeah, for sure. But you know, <laughs> you can't keep it all going good. I mean, you know, you either lose your body or your mind. Take your pick. But for the most part, it's it's we don't have these issues, and you know, I have so much respect for people that that do deal with this stuff because it's not easy. But yeah, I mean my my mother in law decided to move last summer just out of the blue from South Carolina to Colorado and in the middle of the pandemic. So we're sitting there trying to scramble and figure out how we can best help her without, you know, putting ourselves at risk. But we ended up driving halfway, making, you know, half the drive to to get her there and got her unpacked and whatnot. But, you know, I guess it's just our parents did so much for us. I guess, you know, small price to pay. Yeah, but even you're jumping in and providing some measure of care and help. How are the kids doing? So we've we've covered the the top half of the bun here, the sandwich, since we're not really talking about Capriati's tonight. So we're the bologna in this analogy, we're the, though. Yes, we're the bologna or the yeah. Genoa salami, which uh, I'm feeling more fatty like that than bologna. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's been a year and whatnot. It's tough. You can tell it's taking a toll on the kids, you know, this remote learning and whatnot, but kids are resilient. I think they're going to be okay, but not sure how long it'll take to get there. I think getting the vaccine has been a kind of a mood booster, you know, at least they can see that better days are ahead. So when you have one wrapping up an undergrad work, right? Yeah. I got one graduating college and December and the other one's going to be a senior in high school starting this fall. So a lot of change, a lot of change. Well, and your soon to be graduate was leaning on you and, and die. How, how was she leaning on you guys for the kind of her next chapter? That's what's tough. I don't remember having these challenges. Like, I think I just kind of was flying by the seat of my pants and just made the decisions on my own, but they're definitely more driven than I was at their age. So they're literally trying to map out the next five, 10 years of their life. And it's 
they can't help but have that overwhelming feeling like this is the biggest decision I have to make. And if I make the wrong one, it's going to ruin me for the next 70 years. And you just kind of have to try to provide them that perspective without being condescending that, you know, I get it. It's totally normal to feel this way, but you know, things do work out. I mean, that's the one thing you can rely on. Like very few people I know are really doing specifically what their major was. I mean, they kind of life just happens and you fall into something and I wouldn't beat myself too much up that, you know, I'm going to choose the wrong major or go to the wrong school or any of that stuff. Things happen. They work. Yeah. I think you and I had talked about this maybe over a beer on the, around the fire pit. I had recently talked to actually it was part of my, the marketing show that I do. We had had a guest on his name's Grant Gooding and he's the CEO of a market research company in town called proof positioning. And we were talking to him just around like how he makes decisions around hiring. And it came up, he was talking about, he finds, he tries to find people that just truly love, he goes, they can be shit at everything else, but he goes, I want them to truly love what they do and be an inquiring mind around the one thing that they really love to do. And he used the metaphor of being like, uh, you know, the way we teach education is, you know, with even through parenting is, you know, student comes home with the grade card and they get one A or maybe two, three A's and the rest are C's. And the parents typical response would be, they would look at the C's and go, well, we need you to get those up to B's or A's. When he said a parent's response really should be, why do you have A's in these classes? And really probing on the A's and not paying attention to the C's because through a general education, you know, the thinking he was, he kind of played this out, this role play out saying, well, they get one A and student goes, well, I just really like the teacher in this class. And this class, this other A I have, I, I really enjoy doing the work in the class and I find it fascinating. And he's like, that's what you need to hone in on because by the time you get to where our kids are at least our oldest ones, right? And soon to be your youngest. By the time that they can crystallize on that idea, that's what university settings about because then you're going deep into that subject matter. Yeah. Right? You're going to be deep into whatever that passion is potentially because you're you're not going to be spending as much time on a general education. And that's the whole point of a general education. I, you know, is really a sampler platter to figure that out. Mm-hmm. I would say. So he goes, we've got it all. He was like, we've got it all fucked up because from a parenting standpoint, right. You know, is he's like, we, we focus so much on the C's and worrying, uh, worrying about them being a road scholar at the age of 16 and not focused on uh, around what the real passion is. Yeah. That's a cool way of looking at that because that's totally true that if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. That's not how I operated. (laughs) (laughs) I basically went for the money and I mean, things worked out just fine, but I never really had a job that I was like, man, I love what I do. I mean, my, my current gig, there was a stretch there where I really felt passionate about it, but. And it showed having you for a stint there, it showed. Yeah. But I mean, that's totally the truth. I mean, you can't focus on dollars and cents. You just have to focus on what's going to make you happy and just make you a better person. So that's a cool way of looking into that. 
Well, and we unpacked that a little bit this week. So this last week we took Grant up to KU. He had already been up for university visit to check out the film school, but at the time they didn't have the, they were doing renovations of the journalism school and he really wanted to see the TV studio. So we took him up and we did kind of the broad bay. And also the last time we took him up, there was ice and snow and we didn't, there was no way we were going to be doing the campus walking tour at that point, but it was nice weather on Friday. And we took him up to do the campus walking tour, walked into the journalism building and the guy running the TV studios names, Cal came out to greet us and we chatted a little bit and he asked Grant some questions. They said, you should come back at noon. And we came back at noon and they did basically a, a student run sports show called playmakers and grant sitting there looking at me and going, dad, this is what I want to do. <laughs> so, and he's, he's, and I'm like, how comfortable now, you know, the program through the blue Valley schools that they have, they have great programs. So a lot of the schooling, he felt, he was like, I felt like I could probably come in and help day one. I'm not going to know anything, but I feel confident enough based on even what I'm doing today. He was like that I could at least come in and help. And by the time we were done talking, we sat and watched the whole program. He sat and watched the critique session, which ran longer than the actual program. That was what boggled my mind. I'm like, come on, guys, wrap up the critique session. It doesn't need to last longer than the show. <laughs> but when they when they finished up the critique program, they were talking about it and they all they were like, Why don't you come help us this summer? So he's already been in contact with the the professor and he's probably going to go up this summer and help him with, with some of the shows. And that's, I mean, that's the, the cool thing about, you know, trying to point the kids in the right direction and, you know, just doing your best to give them opportunities to be able to explore what they might love. Right. Yeah. That's what a luxury to be 17, 18 years old and already have a pretty good idea of what you like and what you want to do. I mean, he's already way ahead of most kids. He's way ahead of me. I'm still trying to figure out what I want to do, but well, likewise. Yeah. That's really cool though. And that's something, you know, that's something totally different. And he's proven over the last few years that he's passionate about this kind of stuff. So, well, it, it really did. That's where that, the grant gooding feedback stuck with me because that's what I've witnessed out of my son. The last two years is he's sitting there editing video and, and just watching him. He doesn't complain, you know, being a teenager, they complain about a lot of shit. That's, oh, one, yeah. thing he, that's one thing I don't hear him whine about. <laughs> Definitely do this. <laughs> <laughs> I am going to push him to double major though, and still do film because he's prone to do what he's comfortable with and what's like known. And I'm like, I still want you to do film. It's similar but just uncomfortable enough to where you should be exploring other things that are similar, but maybe not the exactly the same just yeah. because you have a comfort level. That's cool. So he's gonna, yeah. It's going to start out. I think double majoring to get some of that done. Oh man. Any other thing about our kids? We want to, we want to complete the, the fold of the, of the sandwich here. I don't know. It's just, I guess what you can take out of this is, Sometimes I, I used to think, you know, like, man, if I can just get to this point, then, you know, it's going to be smooth sailing from there. And life just seems to have a way to, to put something in your path. So just kind of, uh, I just roll with it and work from your heart, man, which is what you guys have done. 
Yeah, that that's the big thing. We try and not I try and not get too worked up. I about things and just rolled it with the situation. Although Becca will probably tell you I've had a few house of cards moments where, you know, I've smashed a lamp and those kinds of things, because I mean, it's not easy, right? A lot of this is not, has not been easy. And there've been some serious points of frustration to the point. I think we talked about in the prior episode, Becca's need to either meditate or smoke marijuana. Yeah. Right. I, I probably need to fall I'll probably just meditate, but we'll, you know, get into that situation. I mean, I'd love my mom to death. I don't want her living with me. I love my mother-in-law to death. I certainly don't want her living with me. So you guys up for sainthood in my book. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I, uh, we'll see, we'll see where it goes. It's not going to be permanent. And to your point, the plan is still the plan. I still plan within several years to be able to walk out of my building and head straight to the bar. That dream will come true, my friend. Yes, it will come true. And it'll be here as long as I don't widow maker at some point. I, you know, got a week Beck and I have to watch her mental and physical health, but that will be, that's the plan. So you and I had also alluded to this being a tough, a tough week. I want to, just give a a shout out to you know the families and that are in Boulder, Atlanta that are dealing with a a lot of heartbreak and across the nation are dealing with a lot of heartbreak tied to the gun violence, the increase in gun violence that we've been seeing. Chad shaking his head. We've been you know we were talking at the beginning of this episode about being marginally affected, or uh, marginally is probably not the right word, but being affected. That's actually. It's a bit complicated, but the best way to describe it is we actually lost a sister-in-law this week that was a victim. It's one of Becca's stepbrothers. His wife lost her. She was a victim of the Boulder shooting. And so I know our thoughts and and everything go out to the to the kids and kind of our extended family that I mean, this is someone we've, you know, we've broken bread with, we spent holidays with, we stayed in, you know, stayed in her home. And it's a completely senseless act of violence. And it's been a really, really surreal and kind of tough week in a lot of, a lot of levels. There's a lot to unpack with that too, just because it's complicated. You know, some of the, Chad knows a little bit about this. Some of the relationship history has been kind of complicated and we've had some weird emotions just kind of running through our heads and I'm not going to go through all that. It's, it's, it doesn't matter what that relationship looked like. And how complicated and maybe even contentious that could have been at times, but this is this is no way for there's no reason for that kind of violence and and, and no one should be subjected to that kind of violence and 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 lose their life as a result of it. So that's it's just been um you know it's one thing that we'll probably talk a little bit more about. I'd probably like to make the subject of a show. I'm still trying to process mm-hmm. what the hell because it hit a little closer to home this week, just kind of process what the hell this, you know, kind of means to me. So. Oh, completely. I mean, thoughts and, you know, I feel so bad for the families and I mean, it's terribly heartbreaking and it's like, we've almost become numb to it because it happens so frequently, but the Boulder one definitely hits a little closer to home. Cause this is the first time I've knew somebody that was involved in any of this. And, uh, 
it's something that no parent should ever have to deal with or child should have to deal with. I, I, I just cannot wrap my head around the the odd fascination this country has with guns. It's just, I, I can't wrap my head around it. It's Yeah, it's, yeah, I go back to Sandy Hook. You know, it's like if we were to make a change, yeah, I w- would have thought it would have really happened around Sandy Hook. Maybe, you know, maybe the close proximity of so many that we've had within the last week or two might help move the needle. But yeah, it's been, I don't, you and I can, we'll, we'll load up and have that conversation. We haven't gotten largely political on the show. We will provide some tea leaves on occasion on where our heads are, but that one, we may, that one, we may get dive into because it's a subject I don't get. It's just, it's one I don't get. Anyway, you ready uh, on that note? We, we got a little bit lighter fare. I thought about making that part of the triple D, but like I said, I've got to process that before I can properly handle anything of that note as a triple D. So I got something for lighter fare for triple D. You, you, you want to do triple D? Lay it on me. I'm ready. All right. So it's more of the neighborhood variety. And for folks who are not familiar with triple D, we play a game each episode where we throw out a scenario and discuss whether it's a dick douche or dumbass move. And I actually think I referenced this one maybe earlier in the show. Previous uh, show, I believe previous show. I'm not sure we had a full discussion, but I think, I think we referenced this. We talked about this kind of type of scenario. I don't think we played a full game around this one. But this week's triple D move is what do you call someone who allows their dog to shit in your yard and doesn't bother to pick it up? And again, this is as most of these are pulled from real life experience. <laughs> yeah. My old house that we had, it had, I lived on a corner and it had a sidewalk that went right through my yard and it was friggin' regular as clockwork, there'd be dog shit in my yard at least five times a week. Used to infuriate me. It turned me into, I mean, I was like a young man at the time and it turned me into the grumpy old man that I'd be like, you know, looking out the window to see if somebody was was doing it. It just infuriated me to no end. So when we moved, I deliberately wanted a house that didn't have a sidewalk and we haven't had one. (laughs) And I have not had a problem with the dog shit for the last 14 years. And it's been glorious it's a total dick move one hundy it's just laziness and like i don't care enough about you know my fellow man so i'm just gonna let you clean it up you've been pretty fortunate though that the neighbors you've had for the last 14 years are some of the nicest people on the planet yeah they're all right they're fine yeah i mean you don't have to love them i'm just telling you their son is stellar yeah they're good people i mean they're good people they're like they're actually, they're like great neighbors who I have around me because they all take care of their house. They're all generally pretty nice. If you need a, need them to like take your trash can in or something, they'll do that. I don't want to be best friends with my next door neighbors. I don't too close too soon. And that's, that's all right. You don't have to be best friends with them, but they're good people, right? Fair. Speaking of which we were talking about my son doing a, his video work. He's profiling your neighbor's son. That's how nice they are. That's how nice they are. So you could live in my house, my new house where we've been here all of what, like six months and the name, and it wouldn't matter if you had a sidewalk 
because the neighbors next to us, this is where this came up. They have, don't they have like a small bear? They have, no, they have two small corgis Hmm. and they let the corgis out and the corgis run over and they just shit in our front yard. And then they have a fence backyard. I would think the dog shit would be great as fertilizer for the, the grass in the backyard, but they let them come over and shit in our front yard and then pretend not to see it. We prefer them to shit in your yard, Brent. Yeah. To the point where I get super aggressive, right? And I just want to, I've got a dog scoop. I just want to throw it at their hat. We were talking about cheese and cars. I want to dog shit some windows. I get so angry about this. You should do the, uh, me, myself and Irene. What was that? I, I got, I just, uh, walk over to his driveway, pick the paper up off his yard, drop your pants and just take a dump right there in his front yard while while reading his paper. (laughs) 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 Oh, that may be more aggressive, aggressive than I was planning on. I was searching for maybe more passive aggressive, but maybe, maybe that's the plan. The, the great irony here is, is so when we move in and we talk to these neighbors and we'll have another one. So just based on the scenario, we talked about the sandwich generation. We have a lot of people at our house, right? That come and go. We have a caregiver that comes in and helps with my mother-in-law. We have uh, physical therapists that come in. We have occupational therapists that come in. And when we moved in this neighborhood, several of the neighbors were beautiful. They gave left us gifts and everything. We're like, oh, what a nice place to live. And they're like, oh, this is a great neighborhood. We take care of each other. We shovel the snow off everybody's driveways. And yet they let them shit in your yard. The dog shit in their yard. We had another scenario I'll reveal as part of a triple D that's probably just going to shock you about how reprehensible the behavior is, like passive aggressive behavior is Mm -hmm. to one of the caregivers. It'll be a future triple D. I'm I'm finding this cul-de-sac we live on. It's going to be a rich, rich source of triple D's. <laughs> triple D's. <laughs> it's just a pipeline. It's just a pipeline. And I agree with you. So I have not expressed what I think this is. I'm going to let Becca do the expression. Becca's like, that guy is such a dick. So there you go. Yeah. It's, it's pretty dickish. Yeah. It's just no need to explain it any more than that. When Becca declares it, it's declared. It has been declared. Khaleesi, it is known. <laughs> All right, sir. I know you're not feeling well, so we're going to we're gonna let you get some rest. I'm so glad you were able to jump on and still chat it up a little bit tonight. We appreciate all of you hanging out with us tonight. If you've enjoyed today's episode, go out to the Hump Podcast website and sign up for our newsletter. Remember, at some point here, It'll probably be about next week. We'll end up doing this live on Facebook. I've got to reset up the video process in order for us to do that. So we'll be back live on Facebook. And then after Chad and I are vaccinated, we'll definitely be live on Facebook because we can do this together. And that's coming. I am so excited about that. You have to stay healthy enough to get your second vaccine. I'll make it. All right. All right, folks, and don't forget to rate us and leave us a comment on your favorite podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, my man's favorite, Stitcher. Take care, everybody. Bye. Bye.